Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm Mark, and I'm here today with Doug and Matt. Hey. uh, Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. How you guys doing? Pretty good? Yeah, can't complain. Cool. Cool, cool. So, uh, I figured, uh, today, uh, we could just segue into everything, you know, talk about the usual, maybe bring up a couple of video games, see where it leads us. Um, I have one in particular, um, that I'm not proud of buying. I really regret this purchase after purposely, well, let me, let me, uh, let me say what it is first. Okay. The game is called Nekopara Volume 1. All right, I bought this game because I thought it was going to be like a cute visual interactive novel where you get to make decisions that actually influence what's going to happen in the game. Turns out I was very, very wrong. It was just a cat girl um, anime game that was... <laughs> I mean, I knew there were cat girls in it, but that's not the point. <laughs> it was it, it was basically me clicking through a novel. It was like I there's a a book in front of me with pictures and you click through it and there's zero choices and it was so boring. Um nothing happened at all. There's these cats in a bakery. These cat girls, so they're like they're like humans with like ears and a tail and they're like completely incapable of making uh like regular human decisions. Like they're just so stupid and they they have like a master and it's like this guy and it's just really uncomfortable most of the time like i was just sitting in the in my room by myself playing this game just feeling like really really uncomfortable and i can i can imagine that yeah and like about halfway through the game i was like i'm not enjoying this why don't like why am i why am i torturing myself so i just clicked through it as fast as i possibly could and like try to get a general gist of what was going to happen and I finished the game in about an hour and 45 minutes, maybe. Okay. But it was... I've played other visual novels in the past on Steam that have not sucked, which is why I bought this in the first place. Um, but this one was... This one was terrible. Do not... And it had, like, overwhelmingly re- positive reviews on Steam, too, which I really don't understand. Okay, that answered my one question, but what's how much did it actually cost you? Like, just curious. I got it on a Steam sale for I think maybe like f- five bucks. Maybe. So realistically, though, it's more expensive than that. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think it is. It's a it's a like the animation sequences were very well done. Um. When I say it was a storybook game, there were actual. Like the characters did move, but you couldn't do anything about it. Like they, they were just pre-programmed. But I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I've never really uh, seen an anime or played a game with uh, cat people that I can really think of. Other well, then like Morrowind and like Khajiits and all that. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Dark Cloud, where that girl was like she could transform from like a girl to a cat. Oh, that is yes, Dark Cloud one. That yes, was, exactly. Oh man. Great game, fucking phenomenal. So How about like, you, Matt? What's what's your cat girl experience? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I is it fair for me to say that I haven't had a cat girl experience? <laughs> That's hey, man, totally understandable. No, no shame in that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's all I got. That's great, dude. No, that's that's fine. 
that's understandable. <laughs> um, well, there's all right. Well, this one's like not really game related, but it's an interesting little tidbit that I saw in the news. Um, some group of people in Canada <laughs> ended up making this robot <laughs> oh, called, <yes>. called, Hitch, <laughs> called Hitchbot, and it's basically just a hitchhiking robot that I guess could give you basic uh. I don't know, like your longitude, latitude, information about where you were and just like, and like, I guess even like simple conversation. So this robot, and it couldn't move though. That's the thing. It was pretty much dependent on travelers finding it and bringing it with them and then just leaving it somewhere. So it traveled like pretty much the world. I'm, I think from the article I read, it got to a bunch of different countries yep. and just, it made its way around. People love the goddamn thing and it finally makes it pretty much where me and Mark live pretty close it's close to home in Philadelphia Pennsylvania and it gets murdered it got murdered totally like robot d- murder yeah like well to the point where it's just like disassembled and like they can't even track where it is anymore and it's just useless and all right it, it, don't get me wrong it doesn't surprise me that that would happen in Philadelphia that's like a scummy goddamn place and lots of murder happens and it's just like I don't know I'm not a fan of Philadelphia if I can avoid it I will but that's the thing I, there's like mixed reviews so a lot of people are like oh that's a shame that it's it got killed but then then you have like the people that are from Philadelphia that are kind of like oh yeah, yeah I'm glad it got murdered here it's like kind of like how keep Portland weird keep Philly hostile. That's like, not good. No, I agree. But that's what I read is like yeah. a lot of the general consensus, which is just like you wonder why it happened in Philly. You know, that seems to be, and obviously this is very off topic from a hitchhiking robot, but it seems to be a sort of common thread around the country right now where it's like people have this really disturbed sense of community for stuff that probably shouldn't be a source of community, like the, the Confederate flag. Like, the number of people that show up at those heritage not hate rallies, and then also white supremacists. It's like, yeah. ah. uh, Dude, you, you just struck a chord with me, because I was literally just going for, like, a Sunday drive, and around my neighborhood, I saw probably three or four different Confederate flags waving. And I'm like, I'm in just wherever the fuck I am, Pennsylvania. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Like, you people... Oh, it's just, it's sad. I know you can say what you want about it, but at the end of the day, it really, it's just, it just ties back to racism. It really does. Like you can call it Southern pride and stuff, but it, no one views it that way. No, not at all. It's like, it's like, uh, anyway, we don't have to go down that road anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so long, I'm not long live the Hitchbot. I, I guess like so long Hitchbot. <laughs> Rotten hell. <laughs> it just got a. I saw like the little. Did they get any photo evidence of what they the robot did? Was? But they're not sharing it with the general. There, there was a there was a video that somebody found of of the Hitchbot being destroyed uh, <laughs> from like some random CCTV camera. Oh man. Oh, well, the thing and I the article I read it said they're not releasing that because apparently a lot of kids had an affinity for the Hitchbot, and they don't want those kids seeing the images of it getting destroyed. So yeah. I'm like, it, it is a inanimate object, but I get your point. But, uh... Poor Hitchbot. Also, J.J. Abrams broke his back helping Harrison Ford on the new Star Wars set. I don't even know how that happens, but I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know why. You didn't why. even provide just, a link for that. Oh, I know. I just, like, 
I forget why I didn't, but uh, it's just because I wasn't even sure if I was going to even bring it up because I'm like, well, what are we going to say? He broke his fucking back. But what do you guys think about it? Um. Um. <laughs> That's why I didn't provide a link. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on. <laughs> Poor J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what uh, to I hope say. he feels better. Get that man a cast. Poor guy. Full body cast. <laughs> but, um, okay, so here's the game I've been playing lately that's semi-interesting, and maybe you guys have heard of it. It's pretty new. It came out on Steam. It's called Tembo the Badass Elephant. No. No? Alright, so, what's really cool about this is it's kind of like reviving like the old school sonic feel to a game and in fact this was actually published by sega this game you're the main character is an elephant named tembo and you kind of like rush from well i guess you can backtrack but it's mainly uh left to right uh and you just blast through shit like boxes and you collect peanuts and the the art of it is what's really attractive because it's done in unity and just super stylistic um the, the the way things happen, like, say you smash into something or, you, like, you do a ground pound, like, you'll actually see, like, little comic bubbles come up and it'll be like, wham, or like, wow, like, kind of like old school Batman kind of shit. So, like, that little comic aspect to it is really cool, but it also has, like, just, like, a weight to it. Like, since you are playing as an elephant, it does feel kind of heavy the way he moves around. Um, some of the ways you interact in the level, uh, if you jump and hold X or A or whatever controller you're using, uh, he does like this little like wiggle float in air so he like can like have like a little extended time in air and that's really useful because it's like a platforming game. So it is, it's, uh, I guess kind of paying tribute to Sonic, but with a different main character and a lot more chaotic and just like this thing is a badass elephant that just destroys shit. And the animations are great. Uh, really unique, uh, bosses and just ways, uh, for you to interact with your levels and the puzzles are just the right amount of, uh, tricky. Really fucking cool game. Highly recommend it. Kind of like a, uh, I think it's going to be a gem. We'll have to see what people think of it. Yeah. That does sound really cool. Um, Actually, I have a question. I don't know if either of you will be able to answer it. Um, what are the procedures in publishing a game to Steam? Is it similar to, say, the App Store um, on Android or iOS? Or are there, are there more barriers? Like, if you have a game you made, how, how difficult is it getting published in Steam? Do you guys know? I'd imagine that it's less... It has fewer barriers just because... There's so much shit on Steam. <laughs> you know? Uh, There's so many bad rats on Steam. I, I would say, like, Apple has very, very, very strict standards for getting into the App Store. Um, and what usually happens is people will focus on making a very core segment of their app or game be very refined and sort of trim off the other bits and then build it up over time. Um, but you don't really see that with a lot of Steam games. Like, you'll see a Steam game come out, and it's just poorly made, and it crashes, and it's not very good. Um, and so I'd, I, I would say that it's probably less difficult to get into Steam than it is to get into the App Store. I'd imagine that there probably are things that you have to do with, like, your bank account and, like, providing support email addresses and stuff, but... Um, 
mm-hmm. can't imagine it's too difficult. No, yeah, that sounds reasonable to me. And God, you bringing up Bad Rats. Fucking Bren sent me like a gift. He like gifted me a copy did, of Bad yeah, Rats. He, well, yeah. he did that to me as well. Yeah, what a God little shit. It. So, but listen, <laughs> I got back at him and I, I was like, what's a bad game I can send him? And I was looking like furiously because I'm like, I really want something good. And I ended up for $2 pregnancy, oh. gifted the shit out of that to him. And then he was like, oh, like, oh yeah, well, I'm going to do a YouTube video out of it. There's that. And then as soon as he started playing it he's like wait this is about like a 14 year old and i was like yeah dude you do not want to play that game <laughs> i i am so glad you i know why he has that because i was looking okay i logged on to steam today and i was looking through his games and i saw that and i i was like bren why the hell did you get this and it makes so much more sense now <laughs> that's fantastic i'm glad i could connect the dots there so i have i have a game that i've well, I played it. I, it's been a long time since I've been on sort of a regular episode of ABTS, so I haven't really had a chance to talk about this, but. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> I did the episode with, um, oh, I don't know if this is going to go out before that. Who knows? We may never. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> uh, this game came out, uh, early June and it is a sequel and I was trying to remember whether it, it was talked about on ABTS or whether the Press Continue folks talked about it. For the life of me, I can't remember. Um, but it's called You Must Build a Boat, and it is the sequel to the game 10 Million. And 10 Million is sort of a, a puzzle-slash-dungeon-crawler game, and it's a little bit like Candy Crush or Bejeweled or one of those other games where you're sort of like matching things in a row. Um, but you use that to sort of progress through this dungeon and uh, sort of upgrade the, the dungeon-y, castle-y thing that you live in. Um, you Must Build a Boat is similar, but you're, as the name implies, building a boat. I got so fucking addicted to this goddamn game. <laughs> like, every free moment I had, I'm, like, standing in front of the supermarket, like, in front of the, the sliding doors, like, playing this game on my phone, and people are behind me, like, are you gonna go in? Um, it's excellent, and they, they did everything correct. And even, like, the buggy bits are not buggy enough for me to be upset about it. Um, it's, it's a really well-made game. Uh, they, they nailed the mechanics. Uh, in playing, you must build a boat, and then going backwards to 10 million. Um, I hadn't ever played 10 million. They have improved substantially. Uh, everything feels much smoother. Uh, is everything that I would want a casual Android game to be in terms of performance and in terms of replayability and achievements, uh, just everything. I'm, I'm extremely pleased with it. So um, it's only a few dollars. It's like five bucks on, on Steam. Uh, it's on Android for $3, um, and I'm pretty sure there's an iOS version as well, but I could be wrong about that. That sounds really cool. I'm definitely looking into that. Yeah, uh, it's excellent. I, I love the name of it. I just think it's pretty much genius for any name of any game to be, you must blank, because it's just like, oh shit, I must. Like <laughs> You must, <laughs> like, yeah, no. I don't have a choice. No, so it's really, what's your really boat good. like? Do you like deck out a boat or what's going on? Yeah, it's sort of linear in the sense that everybody that plays the game sort of ends up with the same boat in the end. But um, oh, sure. You you start out with like this little dinghy, 
and then you upgrade it to a slightly larger boat and a slightly larger boat. And, um, people keep, as you beat levels, people keep joining you on your boat and adding new rooms. And each of those rooms is some way to upgrade, uh, your stuff or something. So for instance, like there's a room with a forge and the guy will upgrade your sword. And then there's a room where a guy will upgrade your staff. And then there's a room where a guy will upgrade the sort of monsters that you keep around on, on the boat. You're sort of like, it's like a, it's like a cross between Noah's Ark and uh, like every single NPC in Legend of Zelda. So. Interesting. <laughs> it's very different than just about every other game that I've played. And if you have the opportunity to just sit down for like an hour and play it, it's definitely worth it. All right. Yeah. I actually <clears throat> am looking for a new mobile game just to be able to play in little bits of downtime. Highly recommend. So, I'll check it out. Did you guys ever play any of the old Legend of Zelda Game Boy Color games, specifically Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages? Briefly. Uh, no, not no. those two. Okay. I I just happened to be looking on Amazon the other day, and I still have a copy of it, and it's... I think it's selling for like 120 bucks. I believe oh, it. Lord. I know. And it was seriously probably my favorite Game Boy game, if not in my top 10 games ever. Legend of Zelda Oracle of Seasons. And man, dude, oh, I've replayed that game so many times. It's such a good game. I had, um, Link's Awakening. Oh, okay. okay. Which was, a fin- well, it was basically the same game engine for all intents and purposes. Uh, maybe a little bit different, but oh my god, was that an amazing game. I broke it though. Uh, this is, <laughs> this is maybe a fun story. Um, so I had Link's Awakening and being like eight years old, I was very, not very good at video games. And I found out that there was this cheat that you could do. And so it was sort of the normal, uh, two-dimensional Zelda top-down game where there was like a little region and then when you went off the edge of the the screen, it would sort of slide and then you'd be on a new screen. Right. Mm -hmm. But what you could do is if you paused the game within like a few milliseconds of when you started to go off the screen, you would stay in the same spot, but you would be on the other side. You'd be on the other screen. Right. So like if you were on the left edge of the screen and you paused it, and then you unpaused it, you would be on the left edge of the screen on the new region. So wow. you sort of like warped over the middle bit. Oh, wow. What was, th- was there any benefit to doing this or did it just break it? <laughs> well, so what you could do is you could warp past like barriers that you needed to like solve a puzzle to get past normally. Right. So like there'd be like a, a line of shrubs that you, for whatever reason, couldn't pass. And like you just go over to the screen to the left. And then as you went back to the right, you would pause the game and then you'd be on the other side of the shrubs. Um, and so it was amazingly helpful. And the game <laughs> was set up in a way that like you didn't need to solve the puzzles in order to be able to interact with the things on that side. So like I'm stuck. I'm terrible at this game. And I'm like, oh, well, this will help me progress a little bit, you know? And so I'm going through and I realize that like everything over there is too high of a level and then I can't get back. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just screw around over here and try and play this part of the game. And I made a little bit of progress. But so the way the game works is at some point you start going up this mountain at the very top of the map. And at the top of the mountain, there's this big egg where they have this like wind fish. It it starts to get like really trippy Japanese anime sort of like 
crazy, ridiculous plot line. Um, but <laughs> the, the way I ruined the game, uh, I fell down a hole. So I'm climbing up this mountain and I fall in a hole in the ground. Um, and that's a fairly common thing in, in Zelda where like they'll have a pit and you jump in the pit and there's like a cave with like some kind of puzzle. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll just go in the cave and I'll walk around a little bit and I'll die. But what happened was I fell in this hole and in the room that the hole led to, there was water. But the thing is, my character didn't have the flippers, so I couldn't swim in water. And normally what happens is when you jump in water in Link's Awakening and you don't have the flippers, it teleports you back to where you came from. So you jump in the water, you take some damage, you would teleport back. But the thing is, there was no place for me to teleport back because I jumped into the middle of a room through a hole in the roof. So the game basically just kept dropping me into this water. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just reset my game. I turn it off and I turn it back on. But the thing is, it saved my location because of some weird glitch in the way that the, the, the game works. And basically it got stuck in this position with my save file, with me repeatedly falling into this water. Now, that otherwise wouldn't be a big issue. <laughs> but the way that this routine worked, and this is based on talking to some people on the internet later on, whether or not it's accurate, I have no idea. But basically, the the, the game allocates uh, the sort of reset your position code on the stack. It's a function call. And so what happens is when you go and you fall in a hole it doesn't pop that off the stack until you have successfully been teleported back. And so then you fall into a hole and it teleports you back again and it pushes onto the stack and it pushes onto the stack and it pushes onto the stack. And what eventually happens is it starts overwriting things that it shouldn't otherwise overwrite. And the longer you let it go, the more stuff it overwrites until eventually it just goes off the end of the memory. And that's what um, killed my cartridge. Um, where basically it had just overwritten something that shouldn't have been overwritten. And yeah, everything is broken. Uh, I still have it back in Pennsylvania somewhere in, in like a, an attic. <laughs> wow. That but, is, I'm so impressed. You have such a detailed memory of how that happened. Well, I would I not ever. <laughs> I remember like how, what exactly happened. And I remember like freaking out because it was such a fun game and I'd spent so many hours playing it. Um, in actual facts, probably not very successfully because <laughs> it was a Zelda game and I was like eight. Um, but I remember being fascinated by it and thinking like, why would this happen? Why would it do this? Like, why, when I shut it off and turn it back on, is it not better? You know, when you said you broke it, do you mean like the game is, the cartridge is unplayable? Yeah. Or it, even if you start a new game, what's happened is, um, if you load up a new game save, um, it it's it just all glitched out like all the text is all glitchy and, and broken oh and, okay yeah i i think i'm following a little bit better now i understand your stack description okay yeah yeah and yeah. at a certain point like even like the title screen all of the names of the game saves were were slowly like turning into like garbled text yeah. corrupted data oh okay kind of like kind of like pointing at something that hasn't been allocated, you just get garbage. <laughs> yeah, or or whatever it was originally pointing at, you know, whatever that data structure is, that part of the data structure had just been overwritten by some corrupt, you know, routine that had been saved to the to the memory cartridge. That is crazy that that made 
prod, like that got pushed. Well, so that shouldn't have, I shouldn't have ever been able to get into that situation. It was only because I was sort of doing that warp thing where you pause the game and like glitch it out a little bit. Um, if I hadn't done that, I would have had the flippers by the time I got to that area and I would have been able to swim uh, if I found the hole, but because I was cheating. <laughs> I see. Okay. <laughs> no, I have to say, like, uh, other than a few, like, glitches that you could pull off, um, it was a well-made game. And in fact, they released a, a newer version of it, uh, Link's Awakening DX, DX? I think it was called DX. Hmm. And it, it was a remake of the same game, not two or three years later. And if I'm not mistaken, it was in color, and they fixed most of the bugs with it. Okay. Yeah, I'd be interested to know like what the history of that was, where they were like, "Oh, let's release a newer version of it," like a year later. Um, I guess maybe because like the Game Boy was sort of the end of its life, and Game Boy Color was a thing, and um, who knows? But- this reminds me. What you're talking about reminds me a lot of the missing no glitch in Pokemon Red and Blue. It was a little bit um, like that because I know the only reason that even exists is because of I like. It's something to do with like the, it's like all of the 150 Pokemon were allocated into an, it was like an array and then like, I don't know, something with a null pointer leading to missing out. Actually, I kind of want to look that up now. Do you, do, do either of you know the backstory of that? I do not, but take the time to do it because I am totally interested. But I know what, when I was playing red and blue, I went to the, I took the time to capture missing no. It was fun. Okay. Yeah, I, I remember. But it, it also ruined my game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. and that's that's <laughs> why it that's why it uh leads me to like his Zelda story led me to think of this because I had a friend whose red version permanently was messed up from doing this just so many times. Yeah. Um Okay, so the way the original games are programmed, they use variables to refer to specific Pokemon. And the variables are stored as powers of two. So one, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two, so on. And there's 151 Pokemon, which means you need 151 variables. Oh, okay. 151 is not a power of two. So the first usable variable that can fit all 100 po- 151 Pokemon is then 256, a large enough that it leaves 105 variables empty. Uh, this is where missing no comes in which is short for missing number, as you can probably guess. Um, and this is a stray Pokemon that the game spits out when it doesn't know what Pokemon is supposed to let the player encounter. Ha! So for whatever reason... That's the, that's the fact behind it? That is yeah. so interesting. So for, oh, for man. whatever reason, the little strip of Cinnabar Island is programmed such that things can spawn there, but not programmed to know what specific Pokemon should spawn there. And that's probably why, like, random, like, you'll get a Kangaskhan in the water. Yeah, and, or, oh my god. Or a Mewtwo. Or actually, for me, based on my game, I would run into gym leaders and they would fight me. No shit. Yeah, I run into, I would, I would run into Blaine and he had Mewtwo's. And I was like, I would like, I would In the middle of the fucking in sea. In the ocean, yeah. And, oh, okay, oh wow, so it's, this is where the old man glitch comes in. So yeah, that you have to go talk to that guy in Viridian City. Uh, so the game temp, so when you talk to this guy, the game temporarily changes a player's name to old man. It stores your old name too, but for some reason during your encounter with the old man, it'll throw that information to where the variables for Pokemon are kept. 
the game will grab that info and revert it back to normal once a player gets another encounter. Unless, of course, the next encounter happens to be the patch of land in Cinnabar Island, where the game has no specific encounters programmed. Okay. This is... That is really interesting. That is amazingly interesting, and I'm really glad we decided to talk about that shit. (laughs) That is so cool. And it multiplies your items, which is the only reason why you would ever want to do that. Remember, the sixth slot in your item list was 100... It got multiplied to 130, so that's how you get the rare candy glitch or the master ball. Yep. That's how you would make the game, like, easy mode. Oh, man. Man. I feel nostalgia. Like, I feel like these things don't happen in modern games unless we just don't like take the time to go find them. I don't know. Do you guys think that they just don't exist? Or do you think it's just this game is such a cult following of just constantly being played that Bear in I mind guess- these games people were doing a heck of a lot more to inspect how they worked. Right? A, a Game yeah. Boy game is a heck of a lot easier to dive into the code for and understand what exactly is going on than, say, like, a PS4 game. Like, (laughs) you know, just the volume of code, right? Like, a a modern PlayStation game, or even, you know, looking ahead to, you know, a Nintendo DS game, um, or even, like, Game Boy Advance, right? Like, the amount of code got substantially larger. And so going in and finding these null pointer references and, and things like that became much, much harder. And on top of that, you had these really crazy systems that they needed to, to build for, right? Like, when they were building the original Game Boys, the original Nintendo systems and Sega and whatnot, um, they were just buying whatever parts they could get their hands on to manufacture cheaply and with the performance characteristics that they required. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes they would have these crazy systems for what types of registers were available and the types of uh, CPU instructions they were able to execute. And so taking the time to sit down and write a programming language around it or fit C to work in that and writing a backend for for you know, something easy was incredibly difficult. And on top of that, you lost a lot of the performance benefits. So these guys would sit down and write their code in straight assembly and, you know, hand optimize it and do all these crazy things like swapping out the the array of variables for the Pokemon with the word old man, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and you'd end up with this crazy stuff, but it's easy to, to dive in there and look at what's going on when, you know, you've got 10 kilobytes of, of game code or maybe less. I don't even know how much it is. It's, um, yeah. It's some ridiculously small amount. But then you look at something, you know, like a PS4 game where you've got gigabytes and gigabytes of assets and, and code. And, you know, the game engine itself is millions and millions and millions of lines. And there's shader code and code that needs to run on the GPU and code that needs to run on the CPU and uh, all sorts of ridiculously advanced technology. Um it's not possible to do that anymore. I mean, sir, well, I shouldn't say that. It is possible, but nobody has the time or the initiative. And frankly, like, even if you could find some of these glitches, it'd be like, oh, your character's face melted off and not like, oh, you've got <laughs> unlimited rare candies. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and this was also a time in which uh, games weren't being pumped out the way they are today. So people people had more time to just solely focus on just this game. Yeah. The other thing to also remember is that 
companies like Microsoft and Sony nowadays are also fighting this kind of thing, right? Like they don't want people looking at the code for the games. They don't, they're, they're trying to prevent pirates from going in and, you know, stealing assets and music and building their own versions. So they're employing all sorts of security techniques that they use on, you know, Windows and, and all of the Sony products. They're using memory address randomization. They're implementing all of the security features that they otherwise would elsewhere in, in other modern computer architectures. And you've also got to bear in mind that we've gone from, you know, a, a glorified mini, you know, uh, vacuum tube computer that fits in your pocket to, you know, trillions and trillions of, of instructions being executed, you know, every minute. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, well, actually guys, um, I'm thinking about wrapping this episode up. Uh, did you guys want to try to do a episode? I mean, an episode, a game of I was always quick. I mean, tr hopefully quick, but it's up to you. I'm not sure who's available. I'm yeah, down for I'm, it. I'm down. I'll do it. I guess I'll judge, and that gives uh, Mark a chance because I know you're trying <laughs> Dude, to score. I have zero. I'm I'm zero for three. I think. Oh man! That's what. All right. <laughs> Low hanging so, fruit. So round one. Let me think here. Hmm. Are you guys familiar with the series Redwall? Yes. Matt. No. Okay. It's just like the briefest explanation is it's like a bunch of rabbits and or not just rabbits, mice. but like mice yeah. and creatures and like they have like a society and they live in an abbey and there's like a real an interest, interesting story. It's by Brian Jacks or is it Brian, Jack? Yeah, Brian Jacquez or something. Ja yeah, Jaquez. I don't know how to say that. Jakes or Jacks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Brian Jacks is Redwall. Um, anyway, I was just going to say if you if you're like living in a world where you are a, a a forest creature and it's like you're amongst a society of them and you're all like communicating and it's interesting what animal would you be out of the like so i guess you're pretty much limited to mice snake uh ferret like otter so that, that general size right yeah like just like a little forest animal you're like you're only allowed to be one of them which one would you be and what adorable forest animal would I be and why? Yeah. Yeah, and also and what's your like position in society? Are you a knight? Are you a are you a like a fucking priest? Okay. I think a I have my answer priest. already. A fucking oh what is this? Think about this is this though? Matt's character in, in Almost Better Than Dragons? Exactly. So no, that's what I mean. <laughs> Matt, I am on the sec I'm on the second episode of that, and your character is more evil than Greybeard, so Listen. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait for you, you to and, finish oh season. You and your one. golden suitcase. <laughs> Listen, just gold plated. Just oh, gold yeah, plated. Yeah, you did you did specify. That's true. Um. Okay, I I think I'm ready. Okay. All right, I'm ready. here we go, guys. Round one, three, two, one, go. 
I am a beaver. A mongoose that oh I'm a mongoose that is sort of a Robin Hood ish character, so I guess I'm kind of like a knight, but I uh you know, I steal from the rich and give to the poor. I'm I'm uh I'm whatever who everyone looks up to in a corrupt society. I'm a lawyer and I corrupt the society. You're a law you're a lawyer. Yeah. You're a beaver you, lawyer. You, you, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so I take offense to that. <laughs> You're just, you're corrupt. You, you specifically said you're going out and corrupting society. That's what I mean. And I'm thinking to myself, so I could either pick the evil bastard or I could pick Robin Hood. And it's like, that's, I don't know. I'm not an evil bastard. And also Beaver. Okay. Everybody loves, oh, everybody loves a little bit of Beaver. I, I, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But when you Google this, the first image on the, on the right hand side, he looks like a conniving little fucker. And then if you if you Google a mongoose, he looks pretty cute. Dude, but they're also conniving. Don't get me wrong. Dude, they're awesome. They kill snakes. They're so fast. Dude, when a snake lunges at them, they can jump vertically and land on the snake and kill them. How awesome is that? Yeah, I, I mean, won't deny. Don't, don't you normally land on something vertically? Well, they jump like vertically when the snake like lunge. You know how they they coil and lunge? It'll it'll it's faster than the snake, so it. It'll, uh... Well, beavers can cut down trees, and I also yeah. have a law degree. <laughs> and the tree, that wasn't the part tr- of the... Dude, the tree will fall. Listen, you can't be a lawyer without passing the bar. This is... Oh, my God. We're getting into... Okay, well, my guy... I'm going... My guy's dad uh, is... So you're going to play the rich kid defense. What, what's this? Is the mayor. He, he bought me... Um, some rocket powered sweatpants. So. Alright, guys, let me stop you while we're here. <laughs> rocket powered um, sweatpants. I'm bringing that back. <laughs> I'm going Excellent. with. I'm going with Mongoose because. Yes! Just because, oh no, it's God. it's honestly what I would go with because I, I, I like Robin Hood and <laughs> fuck this conniving little beaver. Uh, hey! No, not you. I'm just saying your answer. Um, Alright, round two. If a volcano just erupted in the middle of the ocean and a new landmass arrived and you were the first person to land there and plant your flag, what would you name your land? What would we name it? Yeah, like Americo. No. <laughs> um, hmm. all right. Hmm. All right, I got mine. I do not. I do not have mine. Take your time. Matt's a veteran, so you're. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! This is a this is a David and Goliath story right here. In in the interim, I'm gonna purchase and send Bren a shitty game on Steam. <laughs> oh, thank God! Can you please tell me what it is. I uh, it's. <laughs> Hold on. Eh. Oh no. Uh, it has to send me a special code. Oh, here I got it. Maybe. You ready, Mark? Yeah, I guess I'm ready. I might as. I don't. I don't want to. I want to hold everyone up. It's. It's. Uh. As good as it's gonna get, I guess. All right, guys. Here we go. Round two. Three, two, one, go. Canada two. Queen Elizabeth's revenge. Uh. Wow. Uh. Three piece Kingland. And there's a there's a back there's a backstory to that. When, I would hope because I don't understand it at all. When I was in college, I 
decided one day I woke up and I decided that I wanted to make my own gang. But I didn't want us to do, like, bad stuff. I kind of wanted us to just be, like, stuff that was just kind of frowned upon, but, like, you couldn't get arrested for. Like, just hanging out behind, like, convenience stores and things like that. So I And I came up with the name The Three-Piece Kings. And it kind of caught on, and people thought it was weird, but they went with it. And then, like, I have a, I have a, um, a whiskey barrel <laughs> with it, Three Piece Kings branded into the Three Piece Kings uh, distillery branded into the front of the barrel <laughs> in my basement right now, actually. Um, so I wanna, I would want to pay homage to everyone who believed in me and who knew that I, I was onto something there. What? What inspired the three piece? What three pieces are you talking about? Um, I was just like goofing around with a logo and I drew with this like stupid crown and I put, th- it had three points and I was like three points and then it was like three pieces, like the three piece. And we were kings because it was a crown. Yeah. The three piece kings. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, all right. So, but I mean, it's all, I mean, all right. Well, you're up against Canada too. Canada uh, to <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's revenge. It's the full yeah. name. Okay. And what's the story behind this country? Anything other than it is just like the sequel? The summer's hottest uh, new vacation destination. It um, literally is because it's a fresh off the volcano. Yeah, exactly. Fresh. Um, off, that's a good island name. Fresh off the volcano. <laughs> that, that sounds terrifying. Um, and basically, uh, I'm going to start a reality television show on the island, um, where it will be, uh, a territory of Canada, um, but it will also be under the, the royal crown, and, um, it'll be a battle between Queen Elizabeth, uh, in the flesh, and anybody that moves there. Um, it's going to be gory, it's going to be saucy, there's going to be lots of action, Lots of romance, and um, yeah, uh, it, it's going to be a great time. And of course, everybody there is going to be Canadian, so how could you not uh, appreciate such a place? Yeah, I, I'm going with Canada too. Yeah, well, we're going to be we'll be <laughs> loitering, so don't forget about that. I, I you got to watch out for Queen Elizabeth; she's going to get you. Yeah. No, dude. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna only the real brave pioneers go to Canada too, but I can handle it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that brings us that brings us around three. So this is really interesting. I have to come up with a final category, and I thought that was a good one. So damn it. Okay. Here we go. This is weird, and we're going with it. You've. I mean, this may or may not be true, but I'm telling you this. You've had an imaginary friend your whole life, and you know exactly what they look like, but you've never been able to accurately describe it to anybody. But now, all of a sudden, they've become visible. Explain to me who this person is. Oh, man. In one sentence. In a sentence. Ooh. Up in the stakes there. Well, that's what I mean. I don't want it to be like, well, he's five foot, like, I don't know. Like, just <laughs> No, it's a good, that's a good um, handicap. Sorry for such a challenging question. No, it's fine as long as you just give me ample time. Oh, not a problem. I'm definitely ready. And now I'm going to 
try and complete this purchase of The Slaughtering Grounds, which is rated one of the worst games on Steam, um, and, and send it to uh, Dr. Toasty Buns. A.K.A. Sick Rhymes. Are, are we allowed to uh, say our Steam usernames on... Oh, uh, I thought his, his username's Ramar. Oh, well, it his is. name it's like is Ramar Dr. Six- Toasty Buns. It's Ram- it was Ramar62 for the past, like, 12 years. I don't know if he changed it. Well, I ended up trolling him and naming mine to, like, Ramar63, and he was like, Oh, so that's what we're gonna do now. And I was like, yep. <laughs> you know, I get send my gift directly through Steam to Dr. Toasty Buns. Can somebody check on that? That it what? that he is we, actually Doctor Toasty Buns. Are we on? <laughs> I yeah, hope I was just gonna not. say. I like, really hope it's I, not. I hope you just gifted like this terrible game to the wrong person. What What did you think it it was previously? Ramar A R A M A R. Oh, I also have that as a friend. That's definitely yeah. Brian. Then who That's the hell is Doctor Toasty Buns? <laughs> 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 and why is he gifting me games? <laughs> <laughs> Who the oh hell is Doctor Toasty Buns? <laughs> God, I'm so I'm not even thinking. I need to stop and just think. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right. Are you close, Mark? I I kind of got distracted. I'm sorry. It's understandable. No, that was amazingly funny. I'm gonna send you guys that picture. Okay. On. Uh, Slack. Um, maybe I won't send it on Slack because I don't know if I want Brand to see it. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, oh, new private group. Oh, neat. Okay, I guess I'm ready. I'm good. I'm ready. What was the question again? Yes. Uh, if you, oh, what the fuck was it? If you had an invisible imaginary friend your whole life, and you had to describe, they like, just imagine, like, after years of, like, you having no ability to describe them to somebody, mm. they just become visible. Yeah. Okay. Round three, guys. This is for the win. Three, two, one, shoot. Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park, but he would comically have Christopher Walken as a vestigial twin under his shirt on his stomach. God damn it. What? It'd be hilarious. Mark- I wrote a poem. Um, I see him standing tall with dark hair, a boombox, bringing me there. John Cusack, don't you go anywhere. Um, He's serenading me. He needs me. John, uh, 80s movies. I, I guess I'm basically just... It's between Jeff Goldblum and John Cusack, and... <laughs> But he and has Christopher a boombox. He has a boombox. Doug, he has a boombox. Say anything. Doug, I know. Boy, why Dobbler. do you think that I know. I'm on this guy's stomach? God damn it. Walking. Was that your walking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everybody's... I, I can't impersonate Everybody's anyone. Everybody's already so shut me, the podcast off. <laughs> that's what I mean. So, you know what? If that's the case, I'm going with Mark's lame poem. because. I, yeah, I'm going with the lame poem. <laughs> I broke the curse. Uh, yeah, you finally done it. it. And I'm on the board. That was fair game. Guys, I'm so. on the boards.
I was I was really hoping it'd be something a little more creative, but I definitely understand the where you guys were going with it. I accidentally added Brittany from Press Continue to this secret uh, group on Slack. Oh, cool! She can get in get in on the know about how we're trolling Bren yeah. behind his back until he listens to this episode. <laughs> I mean, he's already gotten the email. Probably he's gonna be real salty in like ten minutes. What's the name of the game again? The Slaughtering Grounds. The Slaughtering. All right, guys. Well, that was interesting. Congrats to uh, was, Mark, though. That was a weird game, but yeah, that was great. I'm good. Glorious I'm just, victory for I'm you. I'm just so glad. I'm. I'm. I have. I have one win. Just one, but it means Jeff so much and to me. Chris are both very disappointed. <laughs> In, in everybody today. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But um, is there anything you guys want to add before we uh, sign off and do plugs? Um, no, I think I'm good. All right. Here's one real, like, we probably could have talked about this a lot more, but I'm just going to say it in passing. I saw an article about uh, this impossible impossible rocket drive uh, could get to the moon in, in four hours, technically. So we're working on, like, rocket drives that could like propel us to sp- through space a lot faster than what was previously thought uh possible so that's exciting the m drive is what you're talking about yes exactly yes the m drive um interestingly uh, scientists don't understand how it works um it doesn't use rocket fuel uh it's powered basically entirely by electricity um and the idea is that it just bounces around a bunch of microwaves inside of it and it produces thrust they have no idea how and um, they have pretty much definitive proof that it does work. Um, NASA has been able to reproduce the results. Um, it, it is the equivalent of Star Trek impulse thrusters. Um, and so it's very, very cool. And if it actually is for real, uh, it's going to completely change the way that we uh, think of space travel. Uh, they were talking about being able to get from the Earth to Pluto in 18 months. Um, which has taken many, many, many years previously. And if we're able to develop this technology further, it means that we can develop uh, space vessels, uh, ships, telescopes, whatever, that don't require huge amounts of fuel because you just set up solar panels. They're super light. You don't need fuel to send the fuel into space. Um, it's amazing. It's, it's an amazing kind of technology. Oh, my God. That is super exciting. Well, on that note, we'll leave our listeners... Looking forward to the next episode. Um, if you like our podcast, uh, get in touch with us. Give us a like on Facebook. Tweet at us. Uh, our hand- handle is ABT Silence. If you ever want to shoot us an email about like suggestions for I Was the Walrus or any of our conversation games or anything in general like you want to hear on the podcast, uh, you can email us at almostbetterthansilence at gmail.com. And we have a YouTube and Twitch, so check those out if you get the chance. But, um... I think that's about it, guys. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.